And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Yes, they won today, the Mets. Yeah. Oh, you can boo. Did you boo? Someone boo the Mets? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. As a Mets fan, we don't, we don't care if you boo us. Because it's like, first of all, being a Mets fan is, is teaches, uh, what? I'm not sure what that means. We, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Did you think they were showing up tonight, or...? Did the Ouija board with Vinny bring back Kurt Cobain, and the next thing you know... Someone woke you up, and you're like... Uh, <laughs> I think I know what you meant. I think, but nah, I really don't. I mean, that's so funny. Being a Mets fan is like Nirvana. It's <laughs> just like you know, being a math class. What's two times seven? <laughs> Up, like you know, people will boo you if you're a Met fan. I'm like, you know, Met fans are full of patience, they're faithful, they're loyal. Because being a Met fan is like being in love with an alcoholic, it really is. <laughs> Everyone goes, How can you like the Mets? You're like, Because I love them. <laughs> and they went through a lot of pain. And it really is, because every year the Mets are like, don't leave us. I'm going to get help. I'm going I'm to better myself. I'm sorry, I'm not like them. I'm sorry. Think of them, they get whatever they want, whatever they want. They want the great hitter they get them, they want a great major I get them. 
<laughs> and you stand by their side. That's what meth fans do. Like, don't worry, I got them. I got them. I, they're fine. Hmm, pay attention. <laughs> and every year we fall for the same thing. We're like, well, I'm not going to leave you. Promise? I'm not going to leave you. And you tell all your friends, they're, they're, they're doing so good. This, wait till you see when they come out. They've improved, they better themselves. You're, you're gonna be so excited. And then the all-star game comes and they're passed out. I don't know what happened. I can't believe we suck again. Don't leave me! <laughs> as, a, as a matter of fact, this is true. This is a true story. I tried, Med fans, for some reason, we hate the Yankees. We just hate them. I can't help, we can't help them. It's not even jealousy, we just hate them. We hate them. Where Yankee fans treat Med fans like the World Cup, we're the England. We just, <laughs> most Yankee fans are like, whatever. <laughs> Hi, Mets, oh yeah, that's right, you're over there. Right. <laughs> but Mets, and I tried, I, this is when I knew it was a bit, I don't hate anything, I really don't. I, it's, it's a waste of time for me to hate anything. But for some reason, I hate them. And, <laughs> And I tried really hard. This is when I thought, this is when I thought it would change, all right? Now we all know about the uh, horror that happened here years ago. And if you remember, on September 11th that year, the Yankees made it to the World Series and they tried to involve God. That this is the work of God saving America from putting the Yankees in the World Series. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like, you know, of all things of September 11th, and, this great country of ours to be represented. Who better to represent America in the place where this treasure happened but the Yankees? Oh, first there was Jesus, and now there's Derek Sheeter. Oh. <laughs> he shall save and heal the city. And you know, people were getting caught up in that across the whole country, and even me, as a Met fan, I was like, mm, all right, oh, all right. And, because I would watch every game like this, like, the tragedy, I don't care, I hate it. And then all of a sudden, a a really a miracle happened. Not one night, but two nights in a row. Two nights in a row, the Yankees are down to their last out. Not once, twice. Last out. And, and you know, now they're like, this obviously was not the year of the Yankees. A miracle would have to bring them back. <laughs> Where is God now? <laughs> and they were down to their last out, down by two runs. And all of a sudden, I'm watching, ping, single, ping, home run, ping, Yankees win. Woo! 
Oh wow, that was pretty intense. Surely they still have to win two games. Next night, same exact scenario. Like, it would be impossible. Practically a miracle for the Yankees to come back again with only one out left down by two runs. Bink, walk, bink, home run, bink, home run. Yankees win again. Eric, God loves the Yankees. God has asked him to heal America. flipping out even to the point where now it's the last game and I have to say I even prayed I said God I, I beg you to take that hatred away from and, and out of me because it's obviously a miracle that you want them to win it and it's good for the city and it's good for the country and I'm gonna put my hatred aside even though I'm in love with an alcoholic <laughs> Yankees are winning. One out away. They're winning. And they're going, surely this is a miracle. I mean, the tragedy of this country went through, and now here are the Yankees from New York. Right? And they show the towers of the space, and they show Derek Jeter, and they go, oh. And the other team from Arizona had the bases loaded with two outs. They're down to their last out. And I sat there and I went, you know what? <sighs> I think I'm gonna start following the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, was, I was for a second healed and I felt it was godly and it was... And I said, I'll, I'll watch the Mets, but God wants me to watch the Yankees. He wants me to root for the Yankees. And then all of a sudden, there was a ground ball for the last out, and it went through. Derek Cheater went in the outfield, and the tying run came in, and then the winning run came in, and the Yankees lost, and I found myself going, that's because you suck! <laughs> and that's how I went, oh my God, I'm possessed. It's <laughs> a Yankee demon of me, so. Yeah, Hammer. Nirvana. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Mike Tishy. I just wanted to let any listeners in the New York City area know that we'll be playing some warm-up shows in Brooklyn at the Knitting Factory. The first show is Monday, July 18th, and then the following two Mondays, which is July 25th and August 1st. We're going to be doing all the songs from the record, and Jim's going to do some stand-up, and we'll try a bunch of the bits that we've been talking about on this podcast from the beginning. Shows will be starting at 8 p.m. Again, that's The Knitting Factory in Brooklyn, Jim Brewer and Loud and Rowdy. July 18th, July 25th, and August 1st. Thank you. Come on out. 
Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings, much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Me and Alex are here, and we're going to try and do a podcast. Uh, since Jim's in Japan, we're going to try and do something. We haven't been able to put one out in a couple of weeks. So for the future, because we know that we're bad at addressing each other, this is Mike's voice. This is Alex's voice. If it makes it easier, I'll talk up here. No, no, don't. Okay. Just it, I, I sound cool. He sounds like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I agree That's with you, Mike. Uh, okay, we'll see what happens here. This may never see the light of day with uh, Michael J. Fox and Joan Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that or no? No. <laughs> so this is Jim's show. We were. I was thinking, who's going to want to listen to me and you talk? Everybody. <laughs> Besides Joe. <laughs> the only one who's going to listen to this episode is Joe and yeah. see what he missed. <laughs> yeah. And my wife. Yeah. No, she's not going to want to listen to it either. <laughs> Deanna's not going to listen either. <laughs> She'll only listen if I tell her something awesome happened. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking, I don't want to say tell Jim stories, but... Well, seeing that I seeing that I'm like the newest person, yeah, in this circle, and I don't have many stories, can I just make them up? Yes, <laughs> okay. But I don't mean Jim stories, as oh. in it doesn't have to be like uh, Jim stories. Is like me and Jim did this, but oh, okay. Before you knew, I knew Jim. Did you know who he was? Yeah, I had. I didn't really like. I I had known like the the Goat Boy character, but I didn't know who it was. I right. just. Like, seen clips on, like, the best of... Right, that's where know, I SNL saw all my SNL stuff. stuff is from Comedy Central Saturday afternoons. Yeah. Um, but I was a big Half-Baked fan. Uh-huh. Like, when it came out. Yeah, when it came out. I really liked Half-Baked. Was that in theaters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. Did you see it in a theater? No, but I think, you know, like, when I was younger, I was a big pothead. Right. So, I guess it was kind of like the first movie... That accepted that culture, you know. Uh-huh. Aside, it was like Cheech and Chong type. Right, right. It was like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm a pothead, and now there's a pothead movie. Oh, right. you know, yeah. We're like validated. See, I wasn't, and I. Everyone was always shocked that I loved Dazed and Confused, the movie, and yeah, they were yeah. just like, "How could you like that if you don't even smoke pot?" And I was just like. I don't know, because I don't think that that was the point of the movie. No, I don't think that was the point of the movie either. I yeah. thought that was the point of, you know, like it was the high times. school yeah. and like that adolescence. Right. You know, coming into high school and then you have a where you're it was also a certain the way and then you're leaving high school, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because there's a big, di- like in my eyes, there's a huge difference between freshman and senior in high school. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, like. Freshmen, they're like eighth graders. Yeah, you know. Uh huh. So, and I thought that was like the point of the movie that you had these like really, like babies coming in and having to experience all of these new things that kind of right. like you know develop them. It's also that that movie just explained that time 
so much better to me than Fast Times. Yes. Like, Fast Times almost was like, they might have tried a little too hard. I know that Fast, it's hard to say this, but I actually like Days of Confused better than Fast Times. I Fast Times actually has some slow parts where I watch and I go like, "Mm." I can, I can see you. I can, I can see that point. I think that, um, I Fast Times was trying very hard to be a comedy. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff was very over the top. mm -hmm. Like I loved all the Spicoli parts in Fast Times, and I loved the parts with the guy going like, talking about his five point plan for like getting the lady like when he goes to this he goes first always order for the lady first like i love that guy des moines yeah, 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 yeah. Des moines. he's great but then there were some parts in the movie that was just like i didn't understand that wasn't a character to me that i was like oh this is a character i know from real life yeah but in dazed and confused every single person in that movie i was just like yeah i know that guy but i thought dazed and confused was more i thought it was more about that coming of age experience right you know where it's like like i know like i see scenes from dazed and confused and i'm like oh that like i had something similar happen to me in high school yeah or like yeah it is oh. it is a lot of you know when about- you're kind of like when you're when when you're like the young kid at a, at a senior party right and you're you're really just trying to fly under the radar and how much the older kids are looked up to by the younger kids. exactly and even like the guy who and like, even though there's like like now we look at four year age difference and it's nothing yeah you know but then it's like epic well, yeah and even now i there's places where i go i don't know the difference between 17 and 25 yeah it's crazy it is there's it like is. there's like 17 year olds who are just like Big, like, look like meatheads, and there's 25 year olds who look like they're like 15. You're right, Mike. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, so, anyways, back to Half Baked. You you were a big fan of that. So, yeah, I was like, I guess when it came out, I was still maybe part of that stoner culture. So, I thought it was a really good movie. But, I, you know, I, that kind of introduced me to um, Chappelle more. Right. And also, uh, um, Harlan Williams was in it. Uh huh. And Harlan Williams, I'm not afraid to admit this, was in an amazing movie called Rocket Man. Okay. That I honestly think me and the four other people, girlfriends that I forced to watch it, uh-huh. saw it. Uh-huh. But I've never heard of it. Oh, uh, you should watch it. Did it's Elton hysterical. John write that song about it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't that good that he would write. No. I, I, Do you ever say the movie Guess That's Why They Call It the Blues? <laughs> or Tiny Dancer. <laughs> so uh, is, I never saw Half Baked still to this day. Really? I've never it's seen good. It. It's a great movie. Is Jim, is Dave, are they like co stars? Is Jim yeah. like the star? Coast, like Chappelle is clearly the star. And then Jim's a second. But Jim's like a, a co-star. Yeah. Jim is co-stars with another guy. Okay. Yeah. Who's the other guy? The other guy you just met? I have no idea. Oh. They're trying to... Harlan Williams is plays their friend who gets arrested. So, so the premise of the movie is they're trying to save up bail money okay. for to, to get Harlan Williams out of jail. Okay. So, yeah. So I... I I had seen him on Half Baked, but I still don't think I knew who he was. Right. And then um, I remember listening to Stern. Mm-hmm. 
and him coming on. And, and even then, I don't think I put two and two together. Um, his stern appearances are, are like, yeah, legendary. They're the best. Especially when he does, when he tells stories about Chappelle and Tracy Morgan. Mm-hmm. I remember him telling one story where they were filming Half-Baked and <laughs> Chappelle buys a dog. Oh, I heard this one. Yeah, this story's amazing. <laughs> and it's great because he goes in and out of like Chappelle's voice perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And the dog, he doesn't know how to train the dog. And I think the so dog brought it to obedience. Wait, wait, wait. So the dog, it was like a big white fluffy dog and I think Chappelle named it Whitey (laughs) so whenever he walks him he orders Whitey around Down the street, <laughs> the black the dude being like, Sit, Whitey, sit. <laughs> Come here, Whitey. But then he, I remember he, he was like taking craps all over the apartment. No, he was, he was shitting in his bed. Yeah. <laughs> so he, so he sends him to obedient school. And then, uh, I, I and again, I, I'm paraphrasing, I heard this story years ago. And I guess like the dog goes through obedient school. And Chappelle is super proud of him. <laughs> so one day, they're hanging out in Chappelle's hotel room. And the dog does something. Or no, he takes like, I think he grabs like one of Chappelle's sneakers and runs under the bed. So <laughs> Chappelle is is chasing him. <laughs> and Chappelle's happy that he's obedient now. He stopped taking shits on the bed. <laughs> and he goes underneath the bed. To find the dog, and there's tons of shit under the bed. The dog, yeah, the dog went, the dog started just pooping under the bed. And sprang Lysol on it. How did he not smell that? Maybe that, maybe bringing the smell in would have ruined the story or something. So then, so that was, that's my, so that was like my first hearing him Mm -hmm. and hearing how funny he is. And then I guess I watched, uh, more than more than me, where he takes his dad on tour, right? And I thought that was a great, great movie, and you know, it had a had a really good impact on me. Yeah, you know, as far as um, you know, what it means to to take care of people, you know, right? And it also, like, I was like, oh, he's like, he's a decent guy, right? You know, so I think that's when I became like a fan. Mm-hmm. And then you started uh, hanging out with him. I didn't know when I know of him. Because I was teaching a kid that lived across the street, a guy, not a kid, it was a guy, and he used to tell me about his neighbor, and he used to tell me he was a guy from Saturday Night Live, and I didn't know the name, because I never watched Saturday Night Live, and he then told me about Goat Boy, and I still Mm -hmm. didn't know. Then I would flip, go through, uh, I used to just like, on a Saturday, be sitting there flipping through channels, and I would see uh, the SNL. Right thing so that's how i i was just like oh that's the guy who lives across the street but i never saw i still haven't seen more than me and i actually want to see it because everyone keeps talking yeah, everyone keeps dropping that movie yeah. like the way you're dropping it now okay yeah but uh for those of you who don't know mike 
is completely deprived of pop culture. Like, I just think you don't like... I think you're very, very selective about what you like. And I don't think a lot of people know that. So mm-hmm. I think, like, you know, you, like, not seeing oh, I don't, half-baked. I don't, I don't know movies not, either. Yeah, or, like, you... Like, I, th- I don't think... Like, I think you've never really seen the whole Star Wars trilogy. I've seen the first three. The fr- I've seen right. the three, but I don't know them well. I've never seen... I don't know that I've ever seen The Godfathers all of them. Right. Yeah. So I think, like... So I think it's important for people to realize that, like, you don't, you know, you, you kind of come with a clean slate, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I did. There was a long, there was probably through the 90s and early 2000s, I was very, like, I didn't, I wasn't watching late night TV. Right. I wasn't, wasn't watching. I didn't go, I didn't, I don't think I went to the movies for 10 years. Yeah. The guy used to tell me, he used to just mention him all the time. And then uh, it was when we played wiffle ball is when I first did you know of him? When did you start hearing him on Stern? Oh, it was around that time. Gotcha. So that would be uh, once he went to Sirius, I think. was. Is that when most of his appearances were probably on yeah, Sirius? I think so. Yeah. So I would hear all that. That's what really, that's when I was just like, oh, this guy's great. All those appearances yeah. I loved. I used to always talk, I think me and you used to talk about him, maybe my friend Bill, maybe Joe too, always talked about his. His stern appearance. It's like you're always waiting to see who the guests are going to be. Right. And some of them are like, nah. And then but whenever you see, whenever you see Brewer, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. y- you automatically tune in. Yeah. And I would like listen and then be like, oh, I got to hear that again, hear it again. And then, yeah. I don't even know. I'm not sure that he was doing as much stand up at the time. Yeah. I think he was sort of taking a break or something. Oh, know what the guy used to tell me? He used to tell me that he had a show and he used to do it from. The like house. his house, yeah. That's oh, what the I radio show, yeah. his so, serious show. Yeah, he might have been on for like a year or two after I got it, so I would hear it sometimes. But yeah, since I known him, he hasn't had that show. Yeah. So I have a question for you. When, um, like, I've known you for a very, very long time, right? And I know that you know, growing up, you were where most kids were into a lot of different things, mm-hmm. you were completely focused into guitar. Right. Right. So, like, when you first started playing, and I've always wanted to ask you this, like, did you have certain role models? Oh, like yeah. Like, guitarists that you wanted to emulate? Yeah. So, <clears throat> it was it was all metal guitar playing when I first started. Was that like the, was that your main source of music? Yeah, that's all it was. When I first, when I was in fourth grade, I started listening to metal, really. And it was like my books, my school books for the... Oh, you'd write your band names. I had to have my, my trapper keeper would have all of my band names. So when I'd walk around, everyone knew. Knew, oh yeah. Yeah, it's like, I always look at tattoos and I know you have tattoos as the adult version of Trapper Keepers. <laughs> it's so you can walk around and say, I'm into this. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, so I would have, well, Anthrax, Metallica, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Now stay the fuck away from right. me. <laughs> no, I totally agree with tattoos. It was um, that you're into like a certain part of it was that you're into a certain scene right and then part of it for me was 
you know, like defiance of my mom. Right. You know, it yeah. was like stick it to my mom. You know. See, I actually, I that's what I would think. I I always thought that way, uh, until I want to say I don't want to say recently, but maybe the past ten years, I used to think that it was all out of insecurity to build a persona of someone's self. Oh, 100%. I never would have admitted it as a kid, but looking back, like, it was so people could identify me as belonging to a certain group. So maybe I didn't, since I was in a band, I was already put in that group. Right. So I didn't feel, maybe if I wasn't that way, I would have thought that. But now I actually go like, I like taking out a piece of paper and drawing on it. Mm -hmm. And I go like, that looks cool. Even just a design. Yeah. So I start and I like putting things on my walls that I just like looking at. So now I actually go like, well, it is just it's an artistic it's just being creative, you know? I never looked at it that way before. What never, you writing the band no, like, names? No, no, I'm saying like someone getting a tattoo and oh, what they it. get is a it's something you go like, well, this is something I would like to see all the time. Just right. like I would go I like having that Thing on my wall right there. It's just right. something I would like to see in my place right. all the time. So I used to think that it was all, uh, it was all just insecurity, and I looked at it. But I don't necessarily think I think that way. I think as when someone's younger, it probably is right. that. But well, I'll tell you what. Like <clears throat> I've definitely stopped. Like I definitely like you know I've got like thirteen tattoos. <laughs> right. But I've definitely lost interest in getting them you know as you became more of a confident person would you say 100 percent, absolutely Mm -hmm. so like for me personally i think me getting the tattoos came from what you were talking about as far as like being insecure right you know as a way to like draw positive attention to me right you know oh Uh look oh that's great where'd you get that done oh me feeling like special you know or even like a lot of people look at it and you must know that at back in the day when not people you had them before most people did right that a lot of people would look at it and be like that guy's got the balls to do that he yeah. must be crazy and then people kind of go like yeah don't mess it's a way to almost put but it's fear a, it's a way, right and it's a way to belong to that group right. of people that you don't want to mess with right you yeah. know yep and so that that one hundred percent. And then once I, I I got like more confident, I lost all interest in getting tattoos. Right. Yeah. So my trapper keeper was your I tattoos. Would, yeah, I would have like kiss, and I was just like, yeah, I know who anthrax are. No one, no one knew anthrax right. in my. I would. I remember I had Dio shirt and Motley Crue, but it wasn't. I really did like them. I would sit at home and be like, I would just sit at my desk and go through my tapes and be like. Almost like as if I was my own radio station and I was just playing songs. And I think the first guitar, I got into Zach Wilde at one point, but the first guy I like, there was two guitar players that like I was so into. And one was Nuno Betancourt from From Extreme Extreme, because he was the first guy. He was playing a lot, but it made me get really into rhythm guitar playing because his gotcha. his rhythm was very different than uh, metal guitar playing. So it was more 
like funk based a little. So that was, it wasn't James Brown, but it was still more of metal, but a little bit, they called it funky metal. Right. Just kinda, like, like I just learned that Faith No More is funky, is funky metal. They are, that's, I would put them kind of in that because they have the, those rhythms. It's just yeah. the different types of rhythms. It's not like straight. Right, exactly. It's not straight dun, 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 right. notes. The other one that I was really into, I was really into Aldi Miola. I was, who was, uh, like a jazz guitarist. Like fusion, a fusion right, right. guitar player. Yeah. So was he, he from like Return to Forever? Yeah, he was yeah. in Return to Forever. So in, I think it was eighth grade. I heard an Aldi Miola album, and then in ninth grade, I bought all of, like all of his solo albums. I saw him live, and I would just sit there and. So who do you think was the one that drove you to practice constantly? It was Al Miola. Okay. Because it was like technique-wise, he was so technical and he would have all the... Uh, there was all like articles on how he would... His exercises and how he would get his hands better. And I was really into that for a while. So was it, I listened to this thing by Al Miola, so now I want to learn how to do that. So yes. now I'm just going to constantly practice Yes. It. And, I and would, then once you master that, it's, okay, let me learn something else from Al Miola. Yeah. Or I would read what he did to get to his technique there. And it was, it was like him and also like people like Steve Vai, there was like articles written on Steve Vai's 10-hour workout. Right. And I would just be like, this is what you do all day. Right. And I, I had the mindset that was, if I never put down my guitar, there's no way I can't be good. Right. <laughs> if I don't put it down. Well, it's like that, it's like that, what is it, 10,000 hours concept. Yeah. But the, the, the whole and thing... you got your 10,000 hours by like eighth grade. But the thing <laughs> that, the, the thing that I missed, which took me until, it's, it's weird that all of that was great, but I probably did practice some things wrong. Like yeah. I probably gave myself really bad techniques. And did things. you have? Did you have a teacher at that time? Yeah, I had teacher. I always had a teacher through. I think was Rob Hall. He taught me through all the way till I went to school yeah. to college. You know, it's amazing because it's like, and again, it's that when you're young, the age difference. Like I remember having a saxophone teacher named Janet, and my parents. I guess I must have been in like, I must have been a freshman in high school at the time, and. Right. Uh, <clears throat> she was like steering me into like jazz. Mm -hmm. So she like she bought me the Charlie Parker Omni book. Right. And, you know, so it made me practice like scales and arpeggios and stuff like that. Right. And uh my parents would drive me to Montclair University to take lessons with her. And I, I always thought like she's an old lady. Right. But like thinking back, I'm like she's probably twenty-two. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Like, wow. As a freshman, I'm like, oh, this is this is such an old lady. She's so mature, but she's probably 22. Right. So I'm imagining, like, like was Rob Hall that kind of? No, he was like 35, something like that. But it's, still, that's yeah, kind of yeah. like young. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, like, he might not he be, was... you know, like, he might he might be teaching you. Like how he does things that might not necessarily be one hundred. He was. Uh, technically he correct. went to uh, William Patterson for guitar back in the day. Gotcha. Which you know they accept like two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, so, their jazz programs yeah. phenomenal. He was. He was a guy that did that. Yeah. So he was a great teacher. He's the one who made me understand music theory. When I went to Berkeley, I got right into like harmony four, and gotcha. it's all from Rob Hall. 
Oh, cool. Like he taught me. I he just made me know all my scales and how they work with chords. So he was a he was a good teacher. Great teacher. I didn't do everything he right. said. Oh, I was so too I was too focused on doing practicing what Nuno and Steve right. I said to do. But he made me read. Like I didn't. I wasn't. My reading wasn't good. But he had me reading at least a little bit each week because I had to read it to know what to do. And wow, that's really good luck that you found a great guitar teacher your first time out. Well, I yeah, I had a, a friend of mine said he knew two guys in the area, and he said, this guy is a great teacher. And I just went to him, and it was like, he didn't sit there and play for me, mm-hmm. which is something I realized later that you find a lot of guitar players that you go to take lessons, and the teachers just want to show off in front right. of the student. He didn't do that at all. He was like... You know, he would get his coffee, and mm-hmm. he just had lesson after lesson each day. He didn't care. He didn't. He's already. He was over showing off. Right, right, kids. right. So he would just be like, "Yeah, you got a, you got a comp. While I, I'm gonna play the melody. You have to play the chords, and now you have to read the melody. And I would like mess up the melody. He'd be like, "Let's let's figure out what this rhythm is, and mm-hmm. not show me the rhythm. Right, right. He would go, you explain, like make me figure out the rhythm in front of him, and so he can know that I understand what I'm doing. That's great. Yeah. So I <clears throat> So do you remember in Parsippany mm-hmm. on Route 46 uh-huh. there's a strip mall with there's a bakery there an Italian bakery there used to be the seafood place I think it now might be like Indian stores uh-huh. do you, I, do you I, remember that music store No So there used to be a music store and that's where I took I started taking saxophone lessons there, and my brother started taking uh, guitar lessons. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you guys jam and start a band, or no? No, he started a band. Oh, he did? <laughs> you weren't allowed in it? What no. was the name of his band? His name, the name of his band was Fruity Loops. Oh, yeah. I think and I he saw played, them. And he, <laughs> the Rusty Nail. And they played a bunch of, like, Ted Nugent songs. <laughs> last band that I would think Fruity Loops would play. Yeah. I don't know if it was Fruity Loops or Fruit Loops, the Fruit Loops. No, it's Fruity But they Loops. were, but my, you know, my brother was, it was a joke. Well, he was like 19, right? Yeah, they were in high school, but like they weren't serious. Right, like right, they right. were, they were just having fun. Kind of like, you know, the chick magnets. Right, you know? yeah. But my point was, <laughs> so my brother's guitar teacher, I'll never forget this because I was such a little kid. Mm-hmm. Like, Dressed in all black, uh-huh. had this like long, crazy black for hair. his lessons. Yeah, for the lessons, had like his fingernails were painted black. <clears throat> yeah, always wore like tons of like jewelry. So he's good. So exactly because yeah. he looks metal, right? And he had like these rubber frog earrings. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So when I was saying, uh, like, I practiced all that, but I think. It's funny that the thing that I was missing from the practicing and all the hours of repetition was what I figured out when I started hearing the Beatles. Because I didn't listen to the Beatles all through high school. It was like, which is weird. That's very weird. Right. Because, but it wasn't cool. I was, I wanted living color and extreme and the chili peppers and stuff like that. Like That was a great show. Yeah, it was a great show. I just wanted to learn all the different dances <laughs> on the show. That the Fly Girls did? Yep, yeah. So do you do you remember... Do you remember when I was a senior, one of my best friends, his stepdad, this Japanese guy, 
uh-huh. who was the vice president of JVC. Uh-huh. June Kamada? No, 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 no. Dan, Dan, his father, his father was a uh, vice president of JVC. Mm-hmm. And they came out with this like karaoke slash I remember this. gaming platform. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and they wanted to do a uh, focus group. They right. needed kids to do a focus group. Mm-hmm. So Dan asked me to get my friends, like a bunch of my friends to do it. Uh-huh. And it was you... Wayne, Vinny, Vinny, Vinny and Ara. Yep. Oh no way! Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a bunch of people, and we had to play this game for hours. And then they bought us lunch and asked questions about uh-huh. it. Uh huh. And we got when, like fifty bucks. Yeah, something. we got fifty bucks. Yeah, which was huge. Yeah. And uh, and I remember one of the guys was trying very hard to be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like one of the one of the one of the older guys right, running yeah, yeah. running it. Yeah. You know, he was like their PR guy. Right. And he was trying super hard to be cool. And he was asking you about because like I guess it came out that you were you were a guitar player. Uh-huh. And he started asking you about music and you started rattling off these bands and he's like, Oh, do you like that band in living color? <laughs> 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 and we just looked at each other. We're like, we, we silently said to, either, to, to each other, like, what a tool. Wait, so the, the funny thing is we, to be the focus group, us, we are the last people that should be a focus group. Because I don't think we had any interest that other kids had. <laughs> like, the fact that we went there and they were like, yeah, try playing, try doing the karaoke thing. And we're just like. We were just like, this is the <laughs> dumbest thing in the world, but it, that doesn't mean anything. No. Because everybody else... Because we're not... No, we weren't normal kids. Right, Like, exactly. we weren't your typical kids that would buy something right. like we, that. Right. All we wanted to do was sit in the side of the room and make fun of the people who were doing the <laughs> So we're like, yeah, this is great if we get to sit inside and watch people do it. It's funny, though. Now I can't even deal with watching people do it. Oh, my God. It's, it's the worst. torture. Ugh. So when I heard the 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 Beatles, right. it made me start going like something about writing songs, like making up chord progressions and mm-hmm. making melodies, was the complete opposite way that I thought. Like it, it made me start realizing that when I used to listen to this metal music, all my favorite songs had good melodies and good chord progressions. So I would be going through like. Judas Priest albums and finding the song Beyond the Realms of Death, which is a nice like ballad Mm -hmm. with a nice melody. And I was like, I would rewind that song, not realizing that's like the Beatles influence in the Judas Priest. It's like a nice good melody and stuff. And I didn't realize that I thought it was the electric guitar that I liked, but it wasn't. It was like, it was the songs that I gravitated to were the songs that they had the electric guitar because that made it cool. Right. But it was the songs that had like an interesting melody and good chord progressions. And it made me realize like the Beatles just going and strumming the chord right. in the most simplest way and me going, oh, that is a great song. Right. And then, and so that made me start going, <clears throat> I spent so long not thinking about what note goes against what chord and what like what makes the sound that like like makes you like hits you like a oh, a note with a chord a certain note with a certain chord during a chord progression or something is what makes you go like oh that's fucking great you know not the 
not how fast the guy's picking the scale. Right. And that made me get so far away for, it's weird that, I mean, maybe 20 years just gets so far away from all the technical stuff yeah. that now it comes back to that where I'm like, I'd be at such a higher level for this type of music if I continued that the whole time that like what I'm doing with Jim oh but, so like your metal playing yes so like everything's kind of coming full circle yeah but you kind of like started learning how to shred right and then it became more about I got so far away from it right yet. and now you have you're finding yourself having to to, to do that to figure again. that I'm starting to go like oh I gotta start going back to this so way is it of is it is it a struggle it's a it's or is it, it is, kind of like, you know, like if you haven't, if you're a runner and you haven't run, you're, you're a runner for like three years and then you haven't run in a month, the first two times you run are the worst. Yeah. But then it becomes easy. No, I, I definitely don't have the drive to do it to like, I don't, I still honestly go and I, go, I like, I practice it a little bit and I still hold the guitar and go like, I still want to make up different versions of songs or write things and make up chord progressions and right. I'm more into I, I just can't ch it's almost like even at the time I knew that that's what I liked about it it right. wasn't necessarily the the competitive person to me wanted to learn how to play the fast arpeggios and all that stuff and that part of me I don't know for some reason I didn't like that I didn't like the competitive part mm -hmm. in that aspect of music it was more about who can I remember my friend Mike Fadell yeah. sitting down with me and he goes, I came up with this song and he started strumming these chords and whistling a melody. And I remember that day, I'll never forget this day my whole life. He did that and I sat there and listened to him whistle this melody and I went, that's what I want to do. Gotcha. And I never thought of it. I, I, and all I did was go home and go like, just start humming melodies while mm -hmm. strumming chords and going from one chord to another. And yeah, it's just, it's a complete opposite thing. Then. So, but do you think that you can use that kind of songwriting influence on writing these songs? Yeah, uh, that you a little guys bit. are playing now. Yeah, in, in certain ways, I think yeah. so. But I think there's also stylistic things that I have to get back. And that's kind of what I've learned from watching how Rob. Caggiano was doing the writing. It's like the stylistic things that they do in this style of music are different than they would in in a Beatles song or a Hall and Oates song or something like that. And it's just it's, but I yeah, but then like, but that's kind of what makes music interesting, right? Exactly. That, like you can take that 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 very very specific stylistic thing exactly and influence it with you know your right. songwriting. Yeah, but you know? I do actually do. I like I. I like the idea of going, oh, you kind of do this. This is a little thing that you do in this style of music, and it doesn't have to stay in metal only. Yeah. It could also go to pop yeah. music, you know? And, and that becomes cool, like, especially as a listener. <clears throat> you know, I like, I like listening, and then all of a sudden something unexpected happens. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, I didn't expect that or i've heard that in this type of music but oh wow i've never heard that done in metal before yeah you know? yeah so that's fun yeah yeah there's one there's one progression that happens in the theme to silver spoons that i notice <laughs> it happens in so many other so much other music it's the same melody with the same chord progression 
And I always wanted to be that kid because he had a train yeah, that oh, went yeah. through his house. Me too. That was, that was great. Uh, it's Rick Schroeder. Rick Schroeder. Yeah, yeah. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's a. He was great. Oh, was he? Yeah. He's like. He's a, been in. <clears throat> lives in the mountains. I or something yeah. like that. It's like a. Mountain but he's guy. been in like a bunch of like cop dramas. Oh, really? Within the past, I would say ten years. Yeah. Huh. But now he's not Ricky Schroeder, he's Rick right, Schroeder. Right, yeah. Yeah, I knew I knew he was Rick. Second. And also Carlton from uh from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I don't know. Was I uh know. I was his know. friend. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that that kid went on to do something. Yeah, he was like a huge dancer. Uh, and then went on to play Carlton. Oh. See, that's when I was into te- back in the Silver Spoons days. Oh god. Uh, like TV I like Growing Pains, I loved back then. Is was Growing Pains a show that you were into, or is that after? No, I loved Growing Pains. Growing Pains, the and, Seavers. Yeah, yeah, and Family Ties. But that I was like we wanted to uh, we wanted to make our Ramones cover band called the Stabones. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that, or did I just make that up? I think you just made it up, but it's kind of funny <laughs> because Mike Seaver had a friend called Boner, Boner Stabone, and his dad was name was Sylvester, and they're sitting on their front. They're like driveway. He goes, wait a minute, hold on. You mean to tell me your dad's name is Sylvester Stabone? <laughs> but I thought it would be great to have a, a Ramones cover band called the Stabones, and then have that like iconic Ramones shirt with a boner Stabone's face in it. So how funny is that? Like that joke of the Sylvester Stabone. I've never heard anyone talk about that, <laughs> except, like, me, you, Wayne. Like, there's, like, <laughs> ten of us that we think that joke is, like, that is, like, a, a, a Eddie Murphy classic oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to us. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, And the other thing that me and you always talked about, which is, to me, a brilliant movie, and I love it. I think it's... I thought when I watched it, I didn't know why I liked it. I just thought I watched it because it was on HBO. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, it's stupid later on. And then I started going back to it like when I was a little bit older and putting it on, just like, being like, this is still a – I don't know why, but this is a great movie is Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, my God. It's one of the best. And it's by far one of the best movies ever yeah, made. It, and it's – because they have the things with, like, the, the Chinese guys with the light coming out of their mouth and doing all the superhero things. So it's like, that's what I thought was like, oh, it's not realistic. But when you watch it. Oh, it's brilliant. He's gr- his character like, is great. He is so over the top, like Jack Burton. Yeah, but like he's. Jack a- Burton always. My favorite line of it was when. Um, he's in his truck. No, 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 no. When he is, when he's fighting. Um, Lopan, uh-huh. and he's like, and like Jack Burton always says, and then Lopan's like, who's Jack Burton? And he's like, Jack Burton, me. me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like the end just being like listening to his him on his CV radio. Oh yeah. Like, you know, Pork I'm not Chop tr- Express. Yeah, I'm not trying to say I've been everywhere, <laughs> done everything, but it, but when he does that, I remember just being like. That's the end. He just went through this big thing, and then he's back in his truck, and yeah. he's such a badass. Oh yeah, he's a- but he's he's so over the top. Yeah. Do you know? And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but another movie that's similar to that, um, in, in the sense that like the main character is 
like almost parodying uh-huh. a person like that is uh, Army of Darkness. I haven't seen that. Who's in that? Um, Bruce Campbell. I don't know who that is. Oh, it's so good. When's it from? Before Big Trouble in Little China? Right around the same time. Oh. I would say like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to see that one. You have to see it. He's got like some of the best lines ever. You know who's a similar character, I would say, is maybe uh, in Die Hard, Bruce, Bruce Willis. That he's like... I look at it as Jack Burton is like the parody of Bruce Willis. Right, yeah. You know, like, Bruce Willis is playing it straight. Right, yeah. Jack Burton is, like, over... He's, like... It's like Jack Burton watched Die Hard, and he's like, oh, this is what a tough guy is, so this is what I have to be like. He's almost impersonating John McClane. But they both watched Cobra. Yeah, but they both watched Cobra. (laughs) My My favorite part of Cobra is that he walks into his house, and he cuts his pizza with a scissor. <laughs> How much tougher can you get? <laughs> like, because do you think they were just like, well, we got to have him do something pretty tough? Right? Yeah. They were just like, he doesn't have a knife. He he's, just gets his scissors. He's, not, he, he's a man. He didn't go to he didn't go to Bed Bath and Beyond and buy a pizza right. roller. That's so great. Yeah. That movie was amazing. I again, that's that's like a movie. I when I first watched it, I was just like. I thought that was an amazing movie, yeah. like inspirational. Made me, wanna, oh yeah, made me want to like. It just made me want to go play Manhunt and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And then I watch it now and watch him talk, and it's that's that one does not hold up. I think th- there's another great. Um, I think John Carpenter directed Big Trouble in Little China, and he did another movie that's a little more straight with. Um, Kurt Russell called Escape from New York. I've seen that. Yeah, I think that's great. That's got some great lines. There's something, is one of them has him surfing. No, that's Escape from LA. That was like the sequel that happened 10 years later. A lot of people didn't like that, but I liked it. Escape from LA. Escape from LA. Because it was jokey. It was campy. It was over the Is the first one jokey? No. There are funny parts to it. (laughs) I've seen, I saw. But like that, but that, like, kind of like Jack Burton funny parts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I did see that one in high school, and I, re- I watched, someone made me watch, didn't make me watch, they put it on, I think I fell asleep just because I was tired, so yeah. I don't, I did see parts of it, but I don't know it well. Yeah. I think uh, Isaac Hayes was the bad guy. In, the guy who wrote Shaft. The okay. theme from Shaft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, I think he plays, he plays the Duke of New York. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to watch that one, too. It's great. Yeah. The other one that... But, and, and Kurt Russell... <laughs> Plays just like the quintessential badass. The other, another Kurt Russell movie that's good. <laughs> this he's is great. great. That we're getting into. Kurt I don't Russell. think he's ever done a bad movie. <laughs> I even liked the movie he did with Goldie Hawn. Uh, overboard. <laughs> overboard. What about Unlawful Entry? Did you ever see that? Oh, I don't think I did. Madeline Stowe and him. No, I'm pretty sure it's him, Madeline Stowe, and uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. But it was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean it. <clears throat> I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. If I went back and watched it now, I don't know. But the, you and I have such similar tastes. I know. So I probably it's think so, it's good. <laughs> all we should do is it's, it's not the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's the seven, seven degrees, degrees of, of Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. <laughs> no, but what movie were you going to say? There's a movie that to me was huge when I was in like elementary school, which I thought was one of the like all-time great comedies. But I mentioned it to people, and most people don't know it is Moving Violations. Oh, that was with Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. No. No. 
that's uh, licensed to drive. Yeah, yeah. Moving violations is with Bill Murray's brother, Dan Murray. Okay, maybe. And it has uh, Jennifer Tilly is in it. She it's like her first movie. Okay, and then and it's a they. It's all about bringing people to traffic school, and they all have to go to traffic school. And it's just them is making them go through traffic school, and the cops are like the jerks. And they're oh, okay. Like, but no, I've never seen it. It is hysterical. And me and Joe talk about a couple lines from that. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, my one of my favorite Kurt Russell movies is definitely Tango and Cash. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the whole the, we always talk about that. The whole reason they made that movie was just so they could go, hey Tango. Yeah, Cash. They just, they just wanted. So we, me and Joe played a gig, and we had we didn't have a, a name for a band, and we just said Tango and Cash. Yeah. We did one gig, and you know how many gigs I do that are just like at a bar? Right, right. It's like they don't even write the name of the band anywhere. Right. We don't even say it. We just say it's the name of our band. They don't even put it anywhere. This one time... There's a marquee outside of the place. It says Tango and Cash. So we got a picture of it. It's the only time we ever did that. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. So we were talking about um, songwriting. Yeah. Like you now having to be a shredder. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not even, that's not even necessarily my part, but I gotcha. do want to I do, because I'm I'm getting more interested in it because of what I'm, we're doing, and I've been like listening to Rob solos and trying to figure out his patterns that mm-hmm. he does, and he has a really cool way of playing. It's actually made me start practicing uh, that stuff again because it's a different approach than I had. It's a different approach than the Al Miola, Zach Wilde approach that he has. Right, and I've noticed things that are really cool. He does rhythmically in his. Solos. Solos, yes. There a lot of them are cool rhythms. And I realize that he's he's a drummer as well. Oh okay. he plays I think he just plays every instrument. But like so he it makes me understand like when I break down what he's doing in some of the solos, I do hear uh he has these cool rhythm patterns that you're they're hard to pick up. When you're listening to him, they're hard to go like what's he doing? How's he getting that sound? Right. But when you break it down you kind of hear he's like he's got these patterns in his hands that are just really cool and it's made me start practicing it a little bit but then again it's like i start practicing and then i start strumming a chord and right. <laughs> singing a ball and note song <laughs> something <laughs> like that so i know when did you get into i know john coltrane was like a big turning point i got into it was at berkeley i got into some Coltrane stuff. It was more Wes Montgomery was the guy that I I went on a huge Wes Montgomery kick for like five. I got really into him and that was like he's my favorite guitar player. Right. Is Wes Montgomery. But uh Was he was he like post Bebop era? 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think, like 60s. Gotcha. Yeah. But he's like, there was something different. That was it. When I was listening, when I was being told jazz was this great music, Mm -hmm. I didn't understand. I was like, I just don't think I get it. Right. But it wasn't that I didn't get it. Is that the people that were telling me about it were like jazz kids in jazz band. Gotcha. So they're telling me about it and showing me like, this is how you do it. And I was like, I get it, but it doesn't do anything for me. Right. And then when I heard Wes Montgomery, I was like, he sounded like the the blues version of a jazz guy. Like it, it was like, oh, he's speaking. Gotcha. And it wasn't, it didn't sound like the way that I was told, oh, this scale goes over this. It didn't make sense until I, his phrasing was so cool right. that I started, it's, it was like Eddie Van Halen or something. It was just like, he was that, there's always music and there's a lot of horrible guys. Right. There's a couple guys that do it really well. But when you're being told by, when there's a lot of guys who are naming all the guys on the jazz records to sound like they know a lot and right. reading all their liner notes and then telling me about it and me getting my information that way. That's not why I listen to music. It was never about, oh, so I can know more. It was like I really happened to go into my room and that's what I, what I wanted to do. Right. And when they told me about all these things and would tell me well, they're, they're, about their buddy who's really good or right. something, it's like, I was like, eh, it, just, it sounds good. Okay. Well, they're 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 like they're being that guy in the bar when you play that comes up to you and asks you if you know all of these obscure people. Right. And he doesn't want to hear them. Right. He just wants to tell you. Right. How many obscure bands he knows. Right. Yeah. And how cool he is. Right. Which makes for me... knowing these, you know, under underground bands. Right. Well, that's the thing that I noticed. I've noticed this so much in playing music is that. People are so different when you talk to them mm-hmm. about what they know. They seem really good when I'm talking to them. Right. They seem like they're going to be, wow, right. that guy knows his stuff. And right. then you get together and play, and he still kind of seems good because he goes for his thing that he practiced. Right. And then after you play with them for a couple times, you start going... And you realize that that's like the one thing, and that you just he does. go like, "Yeah, he's not. He doesn't know that." It's kind of like a one-trick pony. Yes, or not. It, but that happens everywhere. That yeah. happens in jujitsu. I know. You know, I, you get like, you get like the higher-level guys who do two things, mm-hmm. and after you've trained with them for a really long time and know how to stop that, right? They stop training with higher-level guys. Yeah, and they only train with the new guys so they could show. So they can kind of like show dominance that oh right. I'm I'm submitting you with the two things that I know. Or it's also like a guy like say my level uh I go out and I start talking to people who don't do jujitsu at right, all. Right, right. And I start talking about And you've been you've been training for just about a year. Yeah. And I start talking like like I'm I'm gonna kick everyone's ass because I've been doing this and right. I'm jujitsu man but when I'm around you I don't talk that way <laughs> why because that's like that's what I'm that's what that those that guitar guy is he's mm-hmm. like he's like the guy who's just like I f- 
feel really good that I could say I go to this and it might make people. It's the tattoo. Yeah, it is. It's the same thing. It is. It like, puts you in a class. Yeah, and it, or in a group. That's what the the guy is who's like naming all the bands and naming all the players on the right. records. It's it's so. That's what made me not want to talk like talk to people right. about music and stuff. It's like it's not about the part of music that I like. I'd rather talk about. I like talking about music to people who don't play music because I'm, I'm so interested in what makes someone put on the song in their car and keep putting it on over and over yeah. and over. Not about I don't want them to explain technically what's going on. I want them to explain what it makes them feel right, or right. think about or what memory it brings back or something. And yeah. I always go, because that's why I put it on. Right. It was always about it makes you feel a certain way. It's not about, again, it's not about how fast you play something. It's not about how complicated the chord is. It's right. about, I remember thinking, I used to think that, oh, all these chord progressions are great. And I did that and did that and did that. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, I'm listening to certain John Lennon songs where he stays on one chord. Yeah. And I go, oh God, now that's a whole new thing I go to go down. It's all about the rhythm of the vocals and the note that the vocal's on. And I used to think the melody has to move around a lot. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes... Uh, well, I remember, like, you know, I like what I like. Right. And that's it. Well, that's what it should be. And there's stuff that, like, I'm sure you... There's stuff that I like that you don't like, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and vice versa. And I remember having this discussion. I forget when, but... We were talking about Pink Floyd. Like, I liked Pink Floyd. Right. I wasn't, like, huge into it, but I enjoyed right. Pink Floyd. And I remember we were riding in a car somewhere, and you are like, oh, I finally get Pink Floyd. I get, yeah. It like, was a song that I hated my yeah. whole life, too. Yeah, yeah. It was See, I think that's interesting. Yeah, Wish You Were Here. Yeah. I heard... Was that because uh, we heard a really bad version of it at the Parsippany Hills High School talent show? <laughs> No, that, that was turn you that off? was comfortably no. Oh, okay. No, wish you were here is the th like every person I've ever talked guitar to no, does plays wish the intro to wish you were here. Yeah, and I always heard the intro and was just like, you know, it sounds like a, I don't even get it. It just doesn't sound good to me. Mm -hmm. And then the vocals come in. And just I never got it, and I would always just stop it. And then I watched. I don't know if it's either Dogtown and Z Boys or the documentary, not the movie, mm -hmm. or. Do you believe in miracles? The documentary, one of those. I'm pretty sure it's the do believe. That's the hockey one, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. The, and then the Dogtown and Z Boys are like the original the skateboard. California skateboard. Yeah, yeah. At the end of one of those documentaries, and I love those. Those are like my two favorite documentaries. Mm -hmm. I've watched them a million times. The end of them, "Wish You Were Here," comes on, and when the song comes on at the end of that, I go. That made me go. That explained the whole song to me. It like put huh. it in a context, and I yeah. was like, now I think it's one of the most brilliant songs ever. One of the songs that I thought was the most dumb songs yeah. in the world. Yeah, But I, that's what I mean is I, that's what every song should – I mean, that's what every song is to someone. It should just be how do you hear it? What do you relate it to? Right. It shouldn't it, – there is no great song. There's a great song to a certain person, right. a great song for a certain time, and – and there are and there are great songs that perform functions. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, like, I listen to this song because it makes me want to do this, right. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right, so you put on certain songs to work out to, you put yeah. on certain songs to clean to, you put on yeah. certain songs, yeah, to lay and go to sleep to or 
draw or paint. Yeah. You, it's different. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, about like being at a bar playing for music, playing music for people who are eating dinner and to not focus on necessarily the person, the drunk person in front of you who's yelling things out to play this, play this, but to go, I've been the person at the restaurant eating and enjoying the person playing the music mm -hmm. and loving it. But I'm there to eat and I don't want to hear them, someone screaming. And I just right. want to, I want them to continue what they're doing. And there might be 40 of us. Right. And it's good to focus on. Those are, that's the majority of people at a place. It's just like, but it's you're, also, you're making the mood to their right. night. But you're understanding your function in exactly. an environment. It's not about you know? me. Right. It's not about, it's, right. it's your, your, your part of a bigger right. thing. You're being the you know? soundtrack to someone's night. And you're, right. you're not forcing yourself upon them. That's right. the other thing. Is you're, I, you're not looking to have them stand up and applaud right, after exactly. you play a song. Right. I don't want... I don't want to applaud after every song I hear. I can enjoy it, but I'm in mm -hmm. the middle of a conversation, right. you know? And it's like, if 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 you're at a place where you're the band book for the night, it's a different thing. Right. But if you're the person just making the mood, you should be okay. You know ahead of time right. that's your And it's cool. Like, you, you sit with your wife, you're talking, and all of a sudden, every, you know, every couple of minutes, you might stop and yeah. be like, oh... I know this song, or oh, that's right. a cool song, or oh, hey, you know, I remember we we danced to this song at a wedding. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Now let's go back to talking about our day. You right? Know? Yeah. yeah. Why we came here in the first yeah, place? Yeah, exactly. Not to see this guy and right. not to giving him a, our full attention right. all night. Yeah. So tonight for us is uh, we got big UFC night. I've been waiting for this night for so long. I, I'm, I, dude, I'm so lost on UFC, and especially like now that. The cards are constantly changing, and this is really bad. Like as a guy, I've d I've spent like the past eight years, I've been doing jujitsu, mm -hmm. like you've been playing the guitar. Uh -huh. You know, like I focused a huge portion of my day, right? Training. You know, it's one of those things that you just get obsessed over, right? And I used to love watching. I used to love watching UFC with you. Mm -hmm. Way back, right when when it was first right coming out, mm -hmm. you know, and I find myself like, I remember when I first started training, I used to have a lot of the guys from from the gym come and and we'd rent I'd rent the UFC and we'd all watch together, mm -hmm. and it would start at nine, right, right, and then I just remember at like ten o'clock hits, yeah, and I'm like. Why did I do this? I just want to go to bed. Right, right. <laughs> you know. Well, I remember. And then I'd have to like, and then I'd have to like suck it up and stick it, stick it out until like one, two o'clock in the morning. Well, uh, you used to invite me over to some of those things, and yeah. I'd be like, I can't go because no one watches the fights, and all I want, <laughs> I, I, I sit there and I listen to every word that is being said. Right. And I get so into all the drama because mm -hmm. they do. They try to make. They, yeah. yeah, they're trying to make the drama, and they're trying to sell you on any any dramatic points going right, on. Right, right, But that's what makes me more into it, when they explain all that yeah. stuff. And when I miss that, it makes me kind of go like, I'm not as interested. Right. And that's what I would notice when I would go over and everyone's talking and stuff. 
Usually it's like, oh, I don't need to watch the fight. So are you going to be upset games. if I go to bed early? I don't care. I'll I don't. Probably I, 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 I'll probably I, fall asleep on the couch. I kind of want you to go to bed early because I don't <laughs> want you talking to me. <laughs> I honestly, I get, I or I get food, and I sit in front of my computer yeah. when Deanna goes to sleep, and I put on my headphones, yeah. and I just sit there with like hummus and chips and like. Okay. I well, we'll some. we'll hook it up. I'll be quiet. Let me. I'll tell you a really funny story. Um, but I love Game of Thrones. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Oh, I've seen the first two episodes. It's That's awesome. It. And I love this show. Uh-huh. And the season? Epic. So, same setup, right? I watch it Mondays. So, I, and I watch it on my laptop. I crawl into bed and watch mm-hmm. the laptop. And, you know, like Risa, we have a baby. She co-sleeps. So, they, they sleep in the other room. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I, I pull in my laptop, put on Game of Thrones. It's the season finale. When? This last, oh, it was a couple oh, weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Everyone was commenting on it. And it was, like, it was the last two episodes of these, this season was like watching a movie. Uh-huh. It was unbelievable. Right. So I start watching it, and Risa gets Jackson to sleep, and then she comes into the bedroom to hang out. And I'm like, oh, do you, you know, you want me to shut this off and watch it later? She's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll watch with you. She maybe watched the first episode of Game of Thrones when it came on six years ago. Right. And it's a complex show. Right. So every five minutes, it was like, oh, who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what is she did he just say? Is she a, is she a bad guy or a good guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally every thirty seconds. That's... So I got five minutes into it and was like, "You know what, honey? I'm oh, let's hang out and I'll watch this another time." I would rather. And she's spend like, time "Are you sure?" You. I'm like, "Totally, no problem." <laughs> that's, that's you. That's gonna be you at UFC tonight. Exactly. Oh, I'm like, who's this guy? Because yeah. I haven't like like I said, aside from you know watching it with you, and we don't watch it often together. Like I haven't watched it in a really long time. Yeah, you'll uh, consistently. You'll know everyone on this one. Yeah. I think you'll know everyone, but. But that's yeah. but I'm and I'm gonna do it on purpose. Yeah, I know. So it's, I wish I never said this. <laughs> so the reason I have to do is Deanna has her friends coming over tonight, so I have to leave. So awesome. I have to go to Alex's house. And which, uh, this is this is well, we can end this. I think. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Okay, we'll see what, how this does. If anyone cares, I thought it was good. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I had fun. You know what we'll do? I'll just send it to the guy and have him and have him edit what he yeah. thinks sucks and yeah. stuff. That's perfect. Do you have a... Did I hit you in the face or did someone else hit you? It's probably you. Really? Do I have a black eye? Yeah. All right. I'll pay you back. I thought I hit you... I thought I might have hit you at one point. Yeah. With something. Yeah. Well, that's what he gets for messing with me. <laughs> All right. This is the metal in me. Yeah. Without, without Jim Brewer. Good hang, guys. Good hang. <laughs> That's a fact we cannot change
It's your soul that's who you are And your body's just a cage What lies beneath it all? Another day, another life, another way Play the game, it's win or lose It's right or wrong, so you better choose What lies beneath it all Welcome to the unexplained We lay awake, let our thoughts burn up the night We are the chosen ones, the fears and the life Break This is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.
Run to Old Navy right now to get up to 50% off store-wide. Stock up on all of Old Navy's best-selling style faves, like tees from 5 bucks, dresses from 12 bucks, and jeans for the family from 15 bucks. Plus, get up to 75% off clearance. But you'd better hurry. At these prices, Old Navy's style faves are sure to go fast. Run to Old Navy right now. Valid 113 to 122. Select styles only. Clearance valid through 122.